0: Real Impact is the podcast of Performance Development Group of Malvern, Pennsylvania. In each episode, we talk with colleagues and experts about the talent development challenges facing business today. My name is Rich Mesh, and welcome to Real Impact. Leadership grows from the roots of beliefs and values. How does a leader turn values into action? We'll discuss that and more with leadership expert, Stacy Henry, author of the book, Get Rooted, Growing People and Companies Through Change. We are talking today to Stacy Henry. Stacy has a long history of leadership roles in global organizations and is the author of the new book, Get Rooted growing people and companies through change. Stacy, welcome and thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Rich, for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to have a conversation with you today and, and talk a little bit about leadership and our
0: book. So let's dive right in. Tell us a little bit about the concept of getting rooted. What does that mean?
1: I always tell a pre-story. And when I think about leaders and I think about people in general, I really think about trees. And the reason that, that I do that is because every single tree, doesn't matter what kind of tree it is, it has something in common. Every tree, regardless of it, if it's a, you know, a Douglas fir or a palm tree, it's rooted in something and it has a center branch. And that is very similar to the way that I think about people and leaders. Every single person, every single leader is rooted in something. And that is, it's a set of values or a set of choices. And then we have a center branch and that's really what shows up. And it's that center branch is indicative of what we're rooted in. So I I share the, you know, the similarity between people and trees because That getting rooted means what are those values? What is that that good soil that we're rooting ourselves in just like a tree?
0: You've had a a lot of leadership roles in your career. You have a, a very impressive list of accomplishments. What is it about what's going on in your life right now that made you want to write this book?
1: I started the book in January of 2020. The original thought was if I had something as I was moving through my leadership roles that really helped me think about my choices and think about how I was progressing and personally growing, it would have been. A heck of a lot easier. Writing a book has been on my mind for ten plus years, and it was through a coaching conversation that I had with with a young lady who said, "I wish that I just had like a map, or I wish I had a guidebook to, to help me as I grow." And that really was the the thought of, okay, this is something that can help other people which is why I started to write the book. Fast forward two months into writing, and then we had COVID. So it, it shifted a little bit. However, it really, the premise of what choices do I make during change and how do I grow, grow in leadership stayed the same.
0: Change is a good topic. We are nearly a full year into a global pandemic and if ever there has been a year that's all about change, it's been the previous year. In your book, you talk about embracing change instead of just holding on to the past, especially in a period now where everything is changing all around us. Why do you think people hold on to the past and how can they move on?
1: It's such a great question. So many times in conversations with peers or leaders or in in coaching conversations I've I've heard and and I've even said myself I didn't have a choice and and people are talking about and I'm air quoting here change like some change will happen and you just referenced the the global pandemic and people will often say I didn't have a choice in this change I didn't get to choose it and while that may be true We absolutely have a choice in holding on to the past or embracing that change and moving forward. And by no means does embracing the change and moving through it and growing through it mean that it's going to be rainbows and butterflies. Sometimes that actually feels like you're grabbing a cactus, which is exactly why people hold on to the past because it's comfortable in most cases, it's known and our brains want things that feel and look the same. It's part of a routine. While we may not like what that past is, it's something that we know how to work through. It's something we know how to show up in and embracing the change is completely unknown, which for a lot of people, myself included, that can create anxiety, it can create a feeling of, well, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I do know how holding on to the past is going to turn out because I've been there and I've done that. So I often will pause, and this is something I personally do, and I encourage other people to do as well, is think about both of those options and your choice. And if you can think of one positive aspect of embracing the change, write it down and start to slowly move towards that versus gripping and holding on to that past, which is going to keep us stuck.
0: I love your metaphor of embracing change, sort of being like grabbing a cactus because Mm If there's ever a problem that I've seen with leadership development is that it often takes place in sort of this idealized world where you're sort of taught that if you use all of these models and practices and behaviors, suddenly everything will fall into place around you. But in real life, I think most leaders find that often being a leader is kind of like grabbing a cactus. People don't always fall into line the way that you're taught in leadership classes.
1: Absolutely not, which as a a leadership expert and somebody who's spent the vast majority of, of my career either in a training or in a leadership type of role, it makes me pause and sometimes chuckle. The models, the books, they're all fantastic and it takes time and progress and work and it's never perfect. I've grabbed that cactus and been and pricked a few times and said, ouch, because we're going to make mistakes through it. We're going to have to try things out that don't feel great or that we've maybe fumbled through. The embracing change part really gets going once you've done that a few times and you say, okay, I'm going to grab the cactus. I'm going to feel the, the uncomfortableness of it and then it's going to get better.
0: When you think about embracing the big picture and not just what's happening right now, one of the things you talk about in the book is embracing a value-driven life and how important it is for people to act based on their values. And sometimes I think the word values is the most misunderstood word in the English language. So for you, what are values? What does that word mean? And, and how do they apply to a business environment?
1: Our values are really the root of what drives our decisions, and it's, they're really the roots of how we show up. So as an example, if I, if I have a value of love, that's going to intrinsically drive my decisions or intrinsically impact how I'm showing up in the world. Most people aren't going to say that they have a value of selfishness or dishonesty or greed. This is something that we really have to to think about and start with, you know, asking ourselves the question, what's driving my decisions? What's driving my actions? And that's going to give you some insight into what are my values personally, from a business perspective, the same thing is absolutely true of, of a company. You know, what are the drivers for the company decisions? What's the culture? What's the environment like? What is it that people are experiencing? Those underlying values are what I call in the book, the roots, are really what's driving all of that. And it's it's much more than just words on a wall or you know in a poster frame it's really what
0: is felt you talk actually quite extensively in the book about a root system Mm -hmm. um, and finding your center branch but you also talk about how sometimes people can get rooted in the wrong things what are some examples of people getting rooted in the wrong things and and what can go wrong when that happens
1: Early on in my life, I'm the oldest, so I had to become the boss, of, if you will, of my sister and my brother, and I you know, helped my mom raise a family while she was working. So at a really early, early age, I was given authority, given um, a final say, and what happened was I started to grow this root of control. Now, I didn't call it that. I didn't know that. But really, it was out of care and love for my siblings and making sure things went well. Because that's what I knew, I took that route into my early career. And in a sense, that route of control looked like me micromanaging my staff or redoing their work or continually checking up on them. And I believed that it was out of a good place. It was coming out of me caring for them, which it absolutely was. What they were experiencing was something very different than what I thought was happening. So I don't think that people wake up one day and say, I'm going to be rooted in the wrong thing. It's something that happens over time. And without really investigating what's going on, sometimes we don't know. And another example is, is disengagement. If we're rooted in disengagement versus relationship, we'll come to work, we'll do our job, we may if we're forced to go to a happy hour or a work event, and then we kind of go home and we disengage. And while there's nothing wrong with that, often people miss out on other people, on on the true relationship and the true potential joy that can come from engaging.
0: One of the, the other gripes I have about leadership development, you know, the more we talk, the more gripes I have about leadership development. <laughs> but one of the other gripes I have about leadership development is it often focuses very much on the theoretical and so you learn a lot about models, you learn a lot about approaches, but what you don't get is a lot of good old-fashioned practice and application. So one of the things I really liked about your book is you end every chapter with a section on putting it into practice, which I think is a very, a very practical way to approach leadership ideas. What are one or two things that you can think of that you wish leaders would put into practice right now in order to be better at their jobs?
1: Here's where my grapes come in, Rich. (laughs) There are so, so many. And if if I'm going to narrow it down to one or two, I think that the very first thing that I would encourage leaders to put into practice is trust. Just trust that their team, their people, their peers, their company, their whatever is doing the absolute best they can. Most people don't wake up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to do a crappy job today, or I think I'm only going to give 25%. As leaders, it's often very natural for us to try and control every single situation. And that means sometimes controlling people. And when that's happening, there's a lack of trust by changing one dynamic of trust and extending trust to people that will start a shift that will be unbelievable. I've literally seen a shift in trust change companies and it's been, it's been brilliant to see. So that's probably the, the first putting it to practice. And, and I would say with that, make it small, like pick one thing to trust with people and go in small with that baby step. Otherwise, it just won't happen. The other putting it to practice is just being human. So often as leaders and organizations, we have this idea that we have to show up a certain way, that we have to look a certain way, sound a certain way. We have to be leader-like. And while, yes, you have to be leader-like, you also can be human. And the vulnerability of being human and saying, hey, guys, my cats are in the next room. They might scratch on the door and we might have to start over. People are going like, to relate to that and they're going to feel that and they're, they're going to start to break down any potential barriers. So just the, the human factor and showing a little bit of vulnerability is going to, to take leaders miles into the future.
0: It's interesting. One of the the benefits, if you will, I think of the pandemic is that because so many of us are working from home now, when we join our our, our Zoom meetings, we, we get a lot of insight into, we're basically brought into our colleagues' homes. And sometimes we get the opportunity to, to meet their children or their pets and, and get a little bit of a sense of how they live. And I guess in that sense, it, it's a more intimate environment than perhaps we ever had uh, when we all went into the office.
1: I completely agree, and if there's there's one change that I am so glad that that people have embraced, it is exactly that. And so when I talk about the the human factor and being human, we're we're kind of forced into that. And I literally have watched leaders go over the past year from this uncomfortable space of. I have to have my, my space completely perfect to now I'm in my sweatshirt. Now my cats are jumping on me or I have children beside me saying I can't get onto my Zoom class. And that one change has brought us back to a place of, of really interacting from a human perspective.
0: Well, and let's talk a little bit more about our homes becoming our workplace because sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's not such a good thing. For many of us, work is a means to an end. We work to live, not live to work. You do talk in your book about your work being part of your purpose in life. So tell us a little bit about what that means to you. Are you ever concerned that work could take too high a priority in a leader's life?
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely concerned in some capacities that work can take too high of a priority. And when we're unable to stop working, (laughs) I'm sure you can hear the cat. (laughs) I, I can,
0: I want to leave all of that in.
1: When we're unable to disengage with, with work, which I have seen quite a bit over the course of the last year because we get up, we don't have a commute to and from work anymore. We're literally commuting to our office that's in the other side of the house or at the kitchen table. That has a tendency for for some people to have them work longer or not engage as much with the rest of their life and, and stay kind of in that in that work space. And so, while it's important to work and to do, you know, good work and be at 100 or 110% while we're there, it's just as important to have purpose outside of whatever your work is. And purpose means different things to different people. For me, it means what are the things that I get to do to serve others? What are the things that I get to do that bring me joy, that work provides the means for.
0: As a final thought for our conversation, for all of the leaders listening right now, what is the one message you'd like to leave them with? The one thing you'd like them to sort of think about and chew on after they turn this podcast off?
1: I would encourage people on two fronts. The first front being how often when you think about change, are you saying, I didn't have a choice? Or they made the proverbial, they made the choice for me, or I didn't get a part in this. And if you find yourself saying that you are among the majority of folks, how can you then choose differently? While you may not have had that, you know, opportunity to, to choose the change what can you do moving forward? How do you embrace the change? Or how are you staying stuck and holding on to the past? So that's, that's the first consideration is to really think through that. And the second part is to think about your own personal root system. None of us wake up and decide that we're going to be rooted in the wrong values It happens over time. I happen to be a very visual person. So I drew a picture. I drew a picture of a tree with roots. And I labeled those roots what my current root system at the time was. Some of it was love. Some of it was integrity. But some of it was control and selfishness. So I would encourage folks to really think about what are they rooted in And if those roots aren't serving them, how can they move forward and either prune back the roots that aren't working or strengthen the roots that are?
0: Well, and I think you've given our listeners plenty to think about. Stacey Henry, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and I've, I've had a, the time of my life also being human, and, and you can, you've can you heard the cats in the background, and
0: <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Your cats are always welcome. I love it. <laughs> Real Impact is produced by Performance Development Group. For more information on us, please visit our website at www.performdev.com.